Welcome to the Heartled Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Abby McGrew, and today I'm chatting all things UTIs with the founders of Cornell, Christine Jarensky and Erica Schultz. You might have heard that cranberry juice can help with UTIs, and you've probably felt a little shame trying to sneak out of the store with your giant bottle of ocean spray. But Cornell is on a mission to help women not just prevent UTIs, but really understand how their body works and improve their vaginal health. Their one-stop shots of cranberry juice are packed with 3,000 cranberries and no added sugar, making it super effective at preventing UTIs and balancing vaginal pH. I honestly learned so much from this conversation with Christine and Erica, not just about business and building a brand, but also my own body. So I'm sure you're going to really enjoy this conversation and let's dive into the episode. Christine and Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. So I would love to start with a little icebreaker. Can you tell me what were your dream jobs as kids? And Christine, if you want to go first so that that way people can know whose voice is whose, (laughs) that would be great. I think as a kid, I always wanted to be a veterinarian, mostly because I just like loved animals and that was what I was determined to do. However, I was very bad at explaining it to adults. I would always get vegetarian and veterinarian mixed up and so I'd always like tell me that I want to be a vegetarian which is not a great way to explain to people what you want to be when you grow up but yeah <laughs> then I still love animals but never got to become a veterinarian or a vegetarian <laughs> that's so funny what about you Erica I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up probably just things you hear all the time but I really didn't like other like bodily functions especially like blood and stuff so one day my mom kind of killed that dream and said, you have to be okay with that to be able to be a doctor. So that never happened, but you know, maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I want to dive into your story and of course we'll kind of get into like what exactly your product Cornell really does in a second. But first I would love to know what were you both doing before you decided to start Cornell and like what led you to start the business and start it together as partners? So I studied finance in university and I moved to Australia in 2013 and I was working for a hedge fund for about eight years and I covered largely United like stocks in the US and I covered like hospital systems, healthcare systems, cable systems. Yeah, but mostly U.S. companies. And I was there for, yeah, eight years. And then, I don't know, Eric, you want to tell your background too? Yeah, I was also in Australia. It's actually where we met, even though we're both American from California. But I was working for one of the largest banks in Australia in their brokerage firm. So like the trading floor. And there was actually an inquiry into the financial sector when I was there. So I was kind of investigating the fallout of that with advisors for different stocks and shares. So I was running a program there to investigate that. So nothing to do with Cornell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Both of us kind of in finance, banking. Yeah. Which was a great segue into women's health. 
<laughs> well, it seems like a like a very stark contrast. And also, I mean, I'm kind of making assumptions because I've never worked in finance banking, but it seems like a very male dominated industry. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So what kind of led you both to you met while you're both working in Australia? What led you to get interested in this like I don't know, very different topic related to what you're both doing for work. And yeah, how did you decide, actually, we should make a product for feminine health? Erica met, Eric and I met in 2015, just through mutual friends. And we would, you know, hang out with friends all the time. And then one time we were going to dinner and I had actually, I would get you really bad UTIs. And as you mentioned, it is a very male-dominated field where I was working. And so I go into the office one day and I had gone downstairs and bought like a liter of ocean spray. And I was like, I'm just going to chug this. And I get in the elevator. My boss walks in. I was like, oh my gosh, so embarrassing. And he was like, oh, do you like love cranberry juice? I was like, I pray that this man does not know what cranberry, <laughs> why women drink cranberry juice. And then I went to dinner with Erica that night and I was like, gosh, isn't it insane that there's not like, you know, discreet product that women can drink that's just natural as opposed to always getting antibiotics. And so then we really kind of started exploring that as a concept. And the, the more and more research that we did, like, you know, understanding the overuse of antibiotics, like 25% of women are resistant to antibiotics and, and all these factors really kind of led us to, okay, let's start a product and see how, how we go. Yeah, I mean, from that, we even surveyed some of our friends to understand. I guess the first part was to make sure, as Christine said, like, is this an old wives' tale or does this actually work? And so me and Christine have this thing about micro steps. Like, we're just going to give ourselves really small tasks because otherwise you'll feel overwhelmed. We both had full-time jobs. We had lives going on and we didn't want to feel overwhelmed. So we love to say micro steps and just do really small things each week and feel good about what we've done. And so our first you know, month or two was just bringing like three pieces of research each. Just like, let's see, is this science backed or is this not science backed? And we found that it actually was science backed. And then we also surveyed family and friends like and over 90% of the people we surveyed knew that cranberry was an elixir for UTIs, didn't know why. And yeah, so it was kind of like, okay, everyone knows cranberry is a thing. We've got science to prove that cranberry is a thing. Let's just see if we can make this work. Yeah, it's so interesting because, yeah, I mean, I had a similar experience to you, Christine, of just having to like run to CVS and being super embarrassed having to like go buy cranberry juice. But it is, yeah, that makes sense that you all would first even question is this science backed? Because it is just kind of something that women, kind of tell each other in secret and don't talk about it very openly. And I, of course, I had been told by someone else, you know, this is what you need to buy if you have a UTI, but never understood why. So I'm sure that was really interesting for you having to actually ask those questions. So I would love to talk about your product because like you said, you were surveying people. Most people were familiar with drinking cranberry juice. Can you explain what you learned and then how you decided to create your brand, Cornell, and what you wanted to do a little bit differently than the other options out there? 
Yes. So I guess there's three ways to kind of think about what you can do for a UTI when you get one. So the first is water, try and flush it out, pray it goes away. But I'm sure as most women know, that's really painful and very uncomfortable, especially if you have to go to work in an office. And it can lead to other things if you just let it sit there and pray that it'll go away. The second is antibiotics. And as Christine mentioned before, in the US alone, over 25% of women are resistant to antibiotics, specifically for UTIs and curing them just because of overprescription and incorrect prescription, really, of antibiotics. And then the third thing is cranberry that most women know about. As like from our survey, most women do know that cranberry is an elixir. They don't know why, maybe how much. And I guess what we saw on the market is that one, juices like Ocean Spray, other juices, they're largely filled with sugar. A UTI is actually bacteria sticking to the bladder wall and bacteria feeds off sugar. So if you're drinking those juices, you're actually feeding that infection and not helping it go away. There are the, you know, just plain cranberry juices that don't have sugar, but a lot of those don't actually have enough of the active ingredient to get to help prevent it and get rid of it so that it doesn't come back. And then there's also the tablets on the market that you can get. I'm sure you know the Azos of the world, things like that. But those actually also don't have enough of the of the active ingredient to help keep it, to help prevent it and flush it out. So, and also those, a lot of those you have to take daily and I don't know about you, but I don't remember to take anything daily, barely drink my water <laughs> daily. So taking a pill daily, it's just, I, I won't, re- I won't remember to do it. So we were really looking for a solution that A, didn't have sugar, B, had enough, enough of the active ingredient and C, something that you didn't have to take daily. So our product, Cronel, uh, actually has 500, I can show you here um, for anyone watching, but um, it has 500 milligrams of paranthocyanates. That's the active ingredient in cranberry. Doctors usually recommend about 36. Ours has 500. And it, we don't recommend taking it once a week. So we like try and say, you know, have a self-care Sunday. Put your face mask on, take a bath, drink your Cronel, and keep those UTIs away. <laughs> how we think about it. I don't know, Christine, if you want to add. And I think really what we learned through the process, like initially it was born to help and focus on urinary tract infections, but over time reviews really drove our use cases. So we had so many women reaching out to us and being like, oh, you know, this helps me with my bacterial vaginosis. This helped me with my gut problems. This, you know, people that were going through chemotherapy, they can't take antibiotics as frequently. And so they were like, oh, this is the only thing that has really helped me to prevent UTIs. And what we learned through that process is how interconnected all of these functions are. You know, if you're having really bad gut problems and, you know, you're not eating well, and that will lead, that can also lead to um, UTIs. And, you know, we were just finding that this cranberry, like once we kind of got past the point that it wasn't just an old wives tale and that was also the standard that we had. Like we had to use a cranberry blend that had academic research to back it. And so our cranberry blend is clinically proven in a double blind placebo study that it reduced the frequency of E. coli in the urine. And so like that was our initial kind of focus for the product was urinary tract infections. And then, you know, over time we started finding like the bacterial vaginosis, for example, our cranberry shots have a pH of four. And our vaginal pH is also best at a pH of four. 
And that can become disrupted on a monthly basis due to sexual intercourse. Even our menstrual cycle can unbalance it. So for example, period blood has a pH of seven. And it's just kind of through these, you know, we've been running this business now for three years. It's through all these reviews from women that are like, you know, this is the only thing that worked because everything was kind of interconnected. Like, you know, if you're having bacterial vaginosis, that means there's a bacterial disruption, which can also cause UTIs. And like, and sometimes when you go to the doctor, you know, the 15 minutes that you have with the doctor, they're like, oh, here's another antibiotic. And I'm just going to give you a stronger one this time. And I know for me personally, what was happening is I just kept getting stronger and stronger antibiotics that none of them were working over time. And it was, you know, disrupting when you take antibiotics, it disrupts your gut for over six months, you know, it can lead to yeast infections. And then you're kind of starting from square one all over again with those vaginal health issues. So yeah, start, it was born as UTIs and just kind of grew into all these other things, which was amazing. We, yeah. Uh, as, as I was just going to add, I think another thing we learned just in sp- uh, relation to urinary tract infections, UTIs, is that unfortunately they impact women at all stages of life. It's not, you know, as as it's thought of, you know, in the world is that it's just like, oh, sexually active, it's from sex, but that's couldn't be farther from the truth. Of course, sex can be a cause of a UTI, but there are so many other things, the way people are born, how their bodies are made. So they're actually really common in children because they're growing and their urinary tract is expanding, contracting. So it's easy for bacteria to get stuck. Kids don't always go to the bathroom when they have to, they hold it, which also holds in bacteria. And then you get to the age where, you know, women are more prone to them if you're sexually active. And then they're super common as well in peri and postmenopausal because estrogen, when you start to hit around menopause, you stop producing as much estrogen and estrogen helps keep the good bacteria there to keep the UTIs away. When they stop producing it, they become significantly more prone to urinary tract infections. So in, and in all these different stages of life, so parents, they don't always want to, you know, give their kids antibiotics. And as we've learned, you know, going to speaking to nurses and nursing homes and things like that, these patients, they're all on so many antibiotics that they don't want to have another pill. So they're looking for something that's natural, that's preventative. So that's another way that Cornell has kind of evolved that we, you know, we thought it was for us when we first started, but, you know, come to find out there's this whole spectrum of people being impacted by UTIs that also don't want to take antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure that was very exciting for you both as the founders to realize, oh, wait, we've like uncovered something that's much bigger than what we thought it was going to be, but also maybe a little bit overwhelming. But I feel like that goes to show how maybe was a topic that just wasn't being explored as in depth as it should have been because it is a little bit taboo. Do you feel that way? Do you like once you started to realize all of these benefits and all the good results that you were getting, did you feel like, oh, why didn't no one like, why was this not being <laughs> looked into sooner? I, I think like as a part of that aspect, like, you know, the science, we really wanted to be important for the product. But the other side of it is we didn't want people to feel the shame that they mm-hmm. feel when they walk into a CVS and you're like embarrassed. You're like, oh my gosh, like I'm in the UTI section, everyone's staring at me and like, you know, the the packaging, the way that it's delivered to your door, it's all like beautiful. It's feels like an experience and you aren't, you don't feel shameful. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, I mean, 
most of our investors are men. Most of the people that we have to pitch to are men. And I think sometimes it's like, oh, UTIs, it does have this taboo kind of, oh, it's around sexual health. It's like, no, you have to like educate people. And, and, you know, we, we do a lot of this education on TikTok as well. And I talk about kind of how the pH becomes unbalanced every month, how new partners can introduce new bacteria. And all women are commenting me like, how did I never know this? Why isn't this taught in school? And it's amazing because like, you know, for example, women weren't even required to be included in clinical trials until 1993. And women are, you know, responsible for fertility. They're birthing humans. We're like doing all these things with our bodies. And yet we're not, you know, we weren't studied until 1993. And I think as we kind of deep dove, it's really opening a can of worms, I think, when you start like looking into it. And it was amazing to like find all these use cases, but it was also like, why aren't people really talking about this? Yeah. And I think also goes to show how important it is. Like you said, you have a lot of your investors are male, but so important that you are bringing, you know, your own experiences and perspective as the target customer who can say, no, we do need to make the packaging like feel this way. And we do need to deliver the products in this way because we know that that's what the target customer is going to like appreciate that we're doing little sprinkling little things in like the customer experience that are going to make it not feel so shameful and make it feel more like this is just about health and this is all a good like positive thing that you're taking care of yourself. So I love that. Going back to kind of in the beginning, were there any like big challenges that you all faced when you were starting the business? Like anything that anything that happened that you were like, oh no, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> and yeah, and how did you get through those challenges together? Everything. <laughs> Everything <Yeah. laughs> was huge. As we said, Christy and I both came from the finance world. We did not come from a manufacturing world. We didn't come from a sales world. And I think this is where our little micro steps really came into play. Because if we tried to take this on, you know, let's do research, let's call doctors and get their perspective. Let's call, you know, cranberry suppliers and get their perspective. And let's learn about their studies. If we tried to take all of that on manufacturing, shipping at one time, we wouldn't be here today. So I think like the biggest challenge was just taking it in small bite sizes and knowing that we were both learning and not being afraid to like reach out for help. We are lucky that we do have like an amazing network of people that have helped us along the way and just people who've gone through it and giving us advice. And then also, you know, standing on our own two feet and taking all the advice in, but then just doing what's best for us, I think was really important. Um, sitting down, like we used to have weekly meetings and like all of our three little steps that we had to do that week. So, you know, after the research, it was then, okay, like let's each find three cranberry suppliers. And so we each came with that and then we would speak to them on the phone. Where are your academic studies? Why is this one the best? You know, each week doing those little things, then, you know, let's each bring a design that we like for the bottle and then try and find someone who can do that. But it was really, really small steps. And I think if if we didn't take it like that, it would have been a, a lot different story. 
Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges, though, was taking that leap of faith to go full time and to raise money. We definitely had like advisors on our side being like, you know, do it. What do you have to lose? And I think that's a really hard decision to make. It's, you know, we had to stop and be like, you know, should we raise money? Should And at that point, we'd been doing it for about a year as just a side hustle. And it wasn't sustainable to keep it as a side hustle. Like we were meeting every night after work, all the weekend, like, you know, putting everything into it. And so I think that was probably one of the most challenging parts of, you know, the path was being like, okay, let's go out and raise money and let's really build this. And even like launching it in the US and like all of those steps, I think can become overwhelming. But if you just like take off what you can chew and move strategically, yeah, but we we had to do so many meetings and it was a big education piece and you just have to kind of keep the momentum, keep your enthusiasm every meeting, um, which can be really hard. And I think that's why it's always good to have a co-founder to kind of keep, you know, you lift each other up in different moments. But yeah, definitely taking that, that leap of faith. And it was, you know, for me, it was the best thing I've ever done. And you really learn that you can take that leap of faith. You can push yourself and you can do things that you never thought you you know, a year ago, a year before ever could have thought you could have done. Um, I totally agree with that, especially having someone else. Like, I think there are a lot of no's and there are a lot of brick walls that you face. Um, and it's nice when you have someone else there to go through it. Like if you're a solo founder, I don't know how you would be able to handle all of that by yourself. Yeah. And can I ask what because I, I always think it's interesting to hear like the timeline of how much time it actually takes for people from when they like first come up with an idea for a business or like start exploring it to then when like they actually launch. And also, since you all were like doing this part time and then made the jump to doing it full time, because I think sometimes when people decide to start a business, they're like, okay, I'm going to launch all of this in three months and everything is going to be perfect. But then things take a lot longer than that. So can you share like what the timeline was? How long did it take for you to like from first idea to actually starting the business? And then how long was it before you both decided to go full time into it? Um, in 2019, we came up with the idea and then it took like quite a few months of like meeting and, you know, testing different bottles. And we went through some iterations. Like, for example, our first bottle was glass with a cork and like we had bottlers like you can't cork this. And we're like, we have no idea, but like just going through those kind of iterations and testing different stuff. And I would say like within six months, we had a final product that was ready for market. And then I mean, I still remember to this day, like it gives me chills. Like I was walking and had my headphones in and my phone like made a notification noise that I'd never heard before. And it was like our first sale. And I was like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> it was amazing though. And then like, and then I guess from when we first started shipping product, it was within a year that we raised money. And it was really like, you know, we were kind of like, oh, can we just kind of do this on the side still? And then we really sat down with each other. And we're like, you know, what do we ultimately want? I don't think we want to be like, you know, doing this in the nights. So I think we want to give it a real crack. And if we don't pull it off, then at least we have the experience of trying to pull it off. And if we do pull it off, then amazing. But yeah, I would say it was like a solid year from when we first like kind of launched product and then raised money. And I'm really grateful that we had that time. Like I, I don't think that I would have 
like, I think you kind of are able to iterate yourself and kind of get to a point where you're not accountable to investors yet. So we really like had our brand nailed down. We had our product nailed down. We had our messaging nailed down. And like, you're not influenced by other people because I think Eric can can attest to this too. Everyone tells you, oh, you should do this or you should do this. You should change the color or maybe you should do this. And it's like, it's amazing to hear feedback from people. But I think until you fully are able to adopt something and you believe in it, you can't implement anything. And so I think it's good to kind of take your time and not feel like you have to have, you know, be on the market and be selling a million dollars by three months. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say like, once you take on investors, you really like feel the weight of like, okay, people have given us money. Like I cannot disappoint them. And it does take time. You know, you're going to iterate your brand. You're going to grow. You're going to see what resonates. And if we had had all that pressure at the start, we wouldn't have been able to come up with this brand that we like truly love. We would have just been scrambling to like find the best thing that works. Whereas, you know, doing it ourselves and figuring out how to do everything ourselves first, I think was a lot better than having like the pressure on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. While we're on the topic of investors, do you all have any tips? Because of course there are, you know, lots of founders who self-fund their business in the beginning, but then they do reach a point where they're like, okay, I want to seek some outside investment. Do you have any tips for where to get started with that or anything that like you wish you would have known maybe before? I think being relentless in your pursuit is important. And with that, you should be well equipped with like a very polished deck, a very polished product and a very polished story. And Mm. your passion will come through. But like I, we would literally chase people. I would call people in a charming way, but I'd be like, it's my daily call to you. I need a yes or no. Are you in or not? And Mm. never underestimate the power of FOMO. Like, you know, get someone's friend and tell them that they're putting a dollar in. Like it doesn't matter. (laughs) And just get that momentum and get people excited. And even if they choose not to invest in that round, they, you know, keep them along for the journey. And they mm-hmm. will, you know, keep that FOMO going, keep, keep people getting excited. I think it's really important, but you can only do that if you like deeply believe in your product, which I think you can flesh that out in a deck that like is really refined, looks really good. Like just invest in that really well. Cause I think when we first started speaking to people, it was definitely like, is this really a problem? And we're like, go home, talk to your wives, talk to your daughters. And then they would come back and they would be like, oh my God, everyone has UTIs. And it's like, yeah, it's not really like dinner table conversation. And then I think really having like, like we we, we were small when we first started raising money, but we had really good statistics. Like even at that time, even though we had really low monthly revenue, 50% of it was subscription and 50% of people were coming back or purchasing again. And we really were able to focus on those like big percentage numbers as opposed to like, oh, we're small and, you know, not not giving people the opportunity to say like, oh, no, I want to wait to wait till you're bigger. It's like, OK, you're in or you're out. Like we're raising money now. And I think having the confidence in your own timeline, too. Yeah, I'd also just say, like, don't be afraid to reach out to your network. You'd be surprised who people know. And, you know, they love, especially if like your company is going well, they love to be the one that's like, who I introduced them, I got this. And as Christine said, Mm -hmm. like, that FOMO, you know, sell the sizzle, not the steak, like, 
get the buzz mm-hmm. around it going. Yeah, I think especially like when you're putting their, yourself out there, I guess one of the biggest things that I've learned, like since we've started this, like we have now put ourselves out there, like we put our jobs, we're going out and doing everything. It's surprising how many people like actually want to help. Like everyone wants to be part of your journey. Like people want to see you succeed. So don't be afraid to reach out to your network and say, hey, like, who do you know? Do you know this person? Can I get an intro? That's super helpful. Yeah. No, those are really great tips. Thank you for sharing those. So, you know, the industry that you're in, women's health, vaginal health, this is an industry that wasn't getting the attention it needed for a long time. So whenever you think about the future of this industry, what are some positive changes that you hope to see and you know, changes that you all are working to, to bring about yourselves as well with Cornell? I would hope that it's more of people don't feel ashamed to talk about it. Like, it is so natural for these things to happen. And like, it, it could just be like the way you were built, the way you were born, yet somehow it's like, oh, it's scary to talk about. And, you know, like if you're feeling sick and they can make you sick a UTI and you're not going to call your boss and be like, I had a UTI, you just say I'm sick. I just hope that, you know, women feel more comfortable to be able to talk about these things and not feel so ashamed. As Christine mentioned on our TikTok, we talk about it all the time. And We love when people comment and share their experiences because it is so normal. I would just love for that to become the new norm, which I think it's we're on the way there, not fully, but we're getting there where it is more normal for people to talk about these things and, and just for women to get know what's going on in their body. The fact that, you know, before I start, we started this, I didn't know that you're vagina had a pH. I didn't know it was supposed to be a certain number. I didn't know that, you know, my menstruation or, you know, a certain diet could change that. I had no idea. And the fact that I didn't know that it's my own body, what's going on, that's crazy. So yeah, just more education around it and women involvement, really. Awesome. So I would love to know what's next for Cornell. I mean, you know, I I feel like you pop up in my feed all the time. I feel like you've built this like amazing community through social media and everything. Yeah. What are you all excited about for Cornell in the future? You know, is there anything you can share with us? Of course, if there are things that you can't, that's fine too. (laughs) I think we just have like the humble goal of wanting to take over the world and everyone (laughs) to drink Cornell when they have a UTI. But yeah, I, I genuinely think like Cornell in itself, like, you know, one, the goal of women knowing and taking care of their bodies, but also just like everything that it embodies is like, you know, self-care, taking care of your gut health, your vaginal health, being aware of it, and, you know, just taking a moment for yourself. And instead of women saying, oh, I need cranberry juice, who would love if they just said, I need Cornell. And I think just continuing to like grow that community of women, grow like, you know, it's, it's amazing every, like, avenue that we're able to take every month it's like something new you know more and more women reach out to us like every single call that we're on if it's you know even to like get pr or to get in spas or something every time there's a woman on it it's like oh my gosh i suffer with the worst utis or like i was literally at a pilates class and she was like 
oh, we like would love to have you guys sponsor a class. Like I used to get chronic UTIs and I'd be an advocate for myself. Like she saw over like 50 doctors. And, and I think that's just like continues to be our grand goal. That was our mission when we started. That continues to be our mission. Um, just have that single skew, single focus of like, you know, we are going to help UTIs and balance pH. and Yeah. I love that. I love whenever a brand like they do only need really just one skew. Like you have it and it's doing well and that's enough because sometimes there can be so much pressure to just like add more products for the sake of adding more. But yeah, I think that's amazing that that's kind of still your focus. I think we like may have complementary products around, yeah. definitely like mm-hmm. around the space. Like for example, we have pH tests and UTI tests on our website and people use those religiously. Like, you know, every time they take their canal, they make sure that their pH is, you know, similar. And like, I think it, it seems like such an arbitrary thing. Like, oh, is my pH four great? There are some, you know, amazing things about our body. Like for example, if your pH is, the pH of semen has a pH of eight. And if your body, even even before a woman engages in sexual intercourse, her vagina, vaginal pH changes from pH four to eight to better adapt towards semen. And if it's not changing, then that can, it may be killing the semen. That may be why you're having fertility issues, or it may, I mean, there, there are early studies that like you may, your body may even be rejecting the semen. Like it's it's amazing, and so like I think complementary products that like kind of tease out those amazing mm-hmm. you know aspects of our body or complement them, I think could also help. But definitely the skew of most importance is the mm-hmm. primary elixir. Yeah, that's crazy <laughs> that that even happens <laughs> inside our, our body. Our bodies are insane. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So last question, and this can be a tough one, (laughs) but for both of you, from everything that you've accomplished so far, what would you say you're the most proud of? As cliche as it sounds, just helping women. It's, I cannot put into words what the reviews, when the reviews come in, how me and Christine feel. Like we will cry. It is crazy. I've never written a review for anything. I don't know about you, but like, I don't really write reviews and people will take time to write us novels. You know, like a mother sent us, my daughter hasn't slept in two weeks. She's been crying. I gave her some Cornell and she slept through the whole night. You know, we get reviews, people in chemotherapy, they can't take any more antibiotics because of just everything they're on. And this is the only thing that's helped and thanking us for that. I am so proud and we are so humbled by that. And, you know, don't take that lightly. I'm proud of the business we've built and like that we were able to do it without, you know, a business building background as well. But I, I would definitely say the reviews and like helping people trumps everything. Yeah, I I agree. It's been amazing helping women and creating a safe space for women to feel like it is okay to talk about it. And, you know, we're like in vagina costumes on our TikTok. Like we have no shame. We'll talk about anything, but to make people also feel like it's okay to talk about their body and to be advocates for themselves has been incredible. And I'm also incredibly proud of like our, uh, 
our ability to build this business and to not give up and, you know, to continue like relentlessly building it. I think like we were told no a lot. We were told that we were too early. We were told that no, you know, all of these things and every aspect of that, you know, when we first started the business, when we raised money, when we launched to the US, you will get pushback. And I think sometimes that pushback is good because it motivates you to prove people wrong. And so I'm really proud. And I'm also proud that we we built this business in a way that like we went down our own path building it. I think sometimes people go out and, you know, hire a ton of people that they don't really need yet. And and we really have built this in a really, I think, focused and intentional way. And it's kind of grown with us. And yeah, and, and I'm proud of the investors that backed us initially. Like they really believed in us and believed in the product. And I'm, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about vaginas and UTIs <laughs> and educating me and I'm sure <laughs> the listeners. Yeah. It was just such a pleasure to have you on. And yeah, I think, yeah, what you've built is amazing and it can only keep growing because as you said, ask your mom, ask your sisters, <laughs> ask any woman, like they know <laughs> what, what the, the purpose is here and how impactful it can be. So yeah, thanks for your time. And of course, I will share links to your website to follow you, to check out your product and everything so that people can follow along as you all continue to grow. Awesome. Thank you Thanks us. so much for having us. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Heartled Brand. If you want to follow along on our guest journey, support them, check out everything that they are doing. All of the links will be in our show notes and we will see you again next week for another interview with an amazing, thoughtful founder.